0: Let's talk repentance. Repentance, metanoia, a turning, a change of mind. People who preach repentance are saying, when you do bad, you say, I'm bad or I've done bad. Right? I'm a sinner or I've sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I don't want to do that anymore. That's wrong. Amen? And the Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. People who preach grace are saying, Repentance. Is in terms of your kingdom identity in Christ. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of righteousness. So when you do something, say something, think something, want something that you ought not, praise you, Jesus. You see. It's not who you are. You see, Jesus has done something by his blood to change you. He is now in you. And you now turn away from who and what you're not. You turn towards. That's the focus of the grace. You turn towards God's goodness and his love, his forgiveness, his acceptance. You turn into, right, the unfolding of your identity in Christ to its fullness. So these schools of thought, doctrines, concepts are lenses through which this repentance is understood. And the grace movement often goes after people who have felt beaten down and even destroyed, devastated by the idea that they are a sinner. They feel like they've done too much for God to forgive them. They feel they're damaged goods. They believe they can't get out of the whirlpool of the cesspool of their mistakes or their parents' mistakes or the nonsense of the sins of the world. And so the grace message offers great hope for the hopeless. Now, in that grace pool, amen, people need. To acknowledge they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if you were to look at someone from the outside who's not tallying up their sins, right? Who's not, oh gosh, I did this. Oh gosh, I did that. Oh gosh, I did that. You from the outside might want to say there's a sin. That person is sinning. Because the person you're looking at is not mindful of sin. Whoa. They are minding, right? Christ, Jesus, love, forgiveness, the path of light set for them. It does not mean that the thing that they did that they ought not do is is good. It means it's not the grid of their attention. And so you, looking at them, criticizing them, reviewing them, examining them, may be able to critique their behavior, their speech, their dress, their way, and, and come up with all kinds of right junk. You might be able to junk them Because of what you see with your eyes. But God is a God of hearts. He says, I don't look at the appearance. I'm not bothered by appearance. I'm going after the heart. And The Lord told me 10, 15 years ago, live by heart. Maybe almost 20 years ago. I don't remember exactly. Live by heart and he began to untangle me untether me from a slavish quite frankly love of tallying what i was doing right and what i was doing wrong just keep in score just just keep in score keep in score keep in score and i wasn't doing a lot of praising me amen And I didn't feel like I was doing a lot of punishing me. But anything I saw that I felt was not of the Lord, I was on it. I was on it. And I wasn't even on it in necessarily a super passionate, that's got to go, you know. But I did not let that go past me, so to speak, right? If I was a sieve, you know, if I was a colander... I'd be sealed all the way once I sensed something was not as it ought to be. What God has taught me is his good fatherhood. That he is so smart, so wise, so brilliant, so amazing, so holy. Holy through and through. That he knows how to bring me up in his love and in his truth in such a way that that wisdom becomes me. Like a dress will become you. Like, oh, you're so becoming in that dress. That dress becomes you. That there's a there's this intricate weaving that goes on, right? This knitting happening, this work he's doing in which I'm identifying Identifying now with the good that he says that I am as his creation. We talk about goods, you know, um, as in things. The only thing that's good is God. Whoa. And he says, you be holy. You be holy. How, how How do you be holy? Well, you hang out with God and people start saying stuff like you're holy, amen. You're loving on him. You're you're not um come on. You're not nitpicking yourself. You're living. And you're even enjoying your life and you're esteeming him. And in this love life with the Lord, you're losing interest. You're losing attention to the things that are not of him. And those things are losing their grip on you. Perfect love casts out all fear. It also does a mighty work on everything else that's not of him. Love conquers all. And love in itself is something that we're learning about. Because love is strong. Love is clear. Love is straightening. And you say, well, hold on a minute. That sounds like chastening, straightening. (laughs) There is an activity of the Lord That very much teaches you his ways. And the Bible calls it chastening, right? Or even scourging, right? That is not punishment for sin. Praise you, Jesus. Jesus never sinned, but he learned obedience through suffering. He never sinned. He did not sin. Well, no, hold on a minute. How is that possible? If he had to learn how to obey. Beloved, the the faith that we have in him is everything. And that walk that we do by faith, where we're going the way he's calling us and we don't know where we're going. That journey is a life lesson, literally a lesson that goes throughout our life, a lesson of love. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> praise you, Jesus. So as we learn, there are things today we know, and we do, that we didn't have it together yesterday or last year or 10 years ago to do. But it's emerging from us. Does it mean we are never following an instruction? No, 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 no. In fact, the wonder of the entire masterwork of God in bringing forth new creations is that he's doing it in the earth. He's doing it with the context of the air and the water and the soil and the other materials, right? The other matter, the other folks and atoms all around us. That in this environment, he's bringing forth his children, his own, that follow his spirit and not another voice. Whoa. That recognize his son because they are familiar with him and his ways. That are lit up and who add fuel to the fire that that give him wood to burn all the time, literally forsaking that which is not him all the time. If you think about kids in school and how they go up and down with how they're feeling about life and each other and themselves, etc., and how one day they'll tell you so-and-so is their best friend ever. And then two weeks later, they see them on the street, and they won't even look at them. And you go, isn't that your, oh, no, 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 no. I will not speak to them. And you're like, but what happened? Right? Praise you, Jesus. They feel differently towards them. Right? Right? When we meet Jesus, we have ways that are so ingrained, we wouldn't question them. They're who we are, as far as we're concerned. That's who I am. Or that's the way it's been in my family for so long. That's just part of us. And so there's an activity going on that's separating your soul from your spirit. That's identifying who you truly are. And as that happens, you simply have no more relationship with certain things anymore. You, you keep allowing things to change. Things just change and they change and they change. And your safety is not in the things not changing. Whoa, your safety is in your salvation. That's a person. That's Jesus. In my own personal life, the Lord has led me at times to let go of things. People, places, things, ideas, hopes, and I, in letting go of them, don't really know what that means. One day, he might say, pick it up again. One day he might say, this is the, what I want you to pay attention to instead. And in paying attention to a new thing, I might find the old thing revamped. Or there may come a day when I see that old thing in such a way that I understand why it's no longer here. Each one of us, from glory to glory, right? Increasing glory are coming into a fullness of the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus. We're coming into more and more knowledge of him. We're loving him more and more. We're hearing him more and more. And that activity is letting go of stuff. Just like every seven years or so, right? You, like, have new skin. We are new creations. And we remind one another of that. We remind one another of who we are. When we look at one another, we see in one another's faces the truth. Just like when you open the Bible. Bible. You see the truth. Whoa. We sing spiritual songs. We worship, right? We give prayers and encouragements. And we're up in the word itself, the, the Genesis to Revelation. We're chewing that truth and we're nourishing one another as it is digested and then distributed through us. We're, we're coming to a table, of fellowship, and we're experiencing one another in such a way that we are heartening each other. Praise you, Jesus. Our hearts are where Jesus lives. Amen. That's his home. And we live there with him. And we are in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. And we're here in our hearts with him. And we're up there, and we're down here. We're up there, and we're down here. And there is a marrying going on of Christ in you and you in Christ. There is an activity of birthing happening, and you're not in control of it. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. And sometimes you're in a moment where it's time to let go of something to grab hold of something else. And have you ever tried to get a stain out? Have you ever tried to, when you're like cleaning a pot, like I'm having the picture of a porcelain container that's had things cooked on it? It can take a minute, but oh my gosh, have you seen it get just completely clean and the shocking difference between when you started and when you stopped, when you were done? This activity is so perfect that as you struggle with whatever God may be saying, whatever you might be feeling led to shift to, the aspect of your being that's having a hard time is where you're letting go. That aspect, what aspect of you that's gripping, right, is also dying. There's a mortification of the deeds of your flesh. The flesh itself is going to be what's called reanimated. It's going to be given new life as your soul is in agreement with God's righteousness and his identity as your Holy Father. It's your spirit leading the way. Praise God. And so these places of contention, these boxing matches, <laughs> you know, these wrestling matches, And that's not just inside, amen, where you come into that kind of wrestling out in the environment of the world. God will win in the end and you will be free of that which is not him. And you will find as you continue on your journey that he's always refining, always blessing, always molding always liberating. Michelangelo would start with a big block and then basically chip away, chip away, chip away until he got to what he was making. As a sculptor, he knew that there was something in there that he was getting at. As an observer, the activity would look like it was all about what he was letting go. Let that go, let that go, let that go. And when we're deep in our flesh, we're so aware of what we're letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go. But as we get closer and closer to the Lord, we realize, wow, that was not me. That wasn't who I am. Whoa. Who I am is what he's saying. And I'm bringing forth evidence of that truth. Everything else is waste. It's waste. And you don't look behind. What I mean by that is you leave Egypt. You leave, you know, Lot and his wife left Sodom and Gomorrah, you you leave what isn't the way that God's leading. And you pray for the place or the people or, you know, anyone, anything that you cared about back there. Redeem, Lord, forgive, help, bless, prosper in you, all those things. And you don't assume anything about what you left behind unless God tells you to. Amen. But your focus is more and more and more and more in the delight of the table that he's prepared for you. That's nourishing your spirit, your soul, and your body in his son and it's the person and it's the word genesis to revelation it's that word made flesh it's that book genesis to revelation it's the church carrying him delivering and distributing him and it's everything in creation bringing him forth and reflecting god's glory so there's so much for us to enjoy and what may feel even painful to release. In time, it that doesn't hurt anymore. That doesn't hurt anymore. I just want to encourage you today that if you are someone who has felt under it because you sin so much, or if you felt like you identify as a sinner, but it's, weighed you in a way that you feel God despises you, etc. I believe that the grace message could be helpful to you. And if you inside that space find that nothing changes, if your reception of the message of grace is accompanied by a sense of stagnation, In your life, maybe not just for a week or a month, but maybe for years and years. Are you relating to the Lord? Are you listening to him? Are you sharing with him? Are you in relationship with him and his body? As you go through your day, is he anywhere there? There's been discussion about faith and works and John and Paul have been people pointed to as sort of grace folks, and James has been pointed to as a works folk. I'm thinking scripture, forgive me. I think it's Ephesian, Ephesians 2 9, I think, or to 11 or 9 to 11 that says by grace you've been saved right and then James that says basically show me that you believe your faith and I'll show you works they go hand in hand they go hand in hand but I believe that what we're getting in this further development of this grace movement this sort of addition right is that there's a there's a source of our goodness and it ain't us. And just as we sort of relax into the love, the rest of God, what we come is to this unbounding grace, this <laughs> These leagues of grace, like leagues of the sea, right? This pool that goes beyond anything you can imagine. It's grace upon grace upon grace. And so it's from this place of grace that grows so much doing, so much happening, so much structure. And when you allow the Lord to lead you, you sometimes end up in a lot of messy and sometimes for a long time. And when you don't have a clue, when your head can't figure something out, you might not only feel stagnant, but you might actually feel like you've regressed. But it's your faith. It's that faith that's leading you. And there are works, the Bible says, that have already been ordained. God's already prepared things for you to do. There's just stuff on his list for you. And you find that as you're in relationship with him, some, some things just come naturally. He's made you to do some things. Like I would say a fountain is made to give water. Amen. Okay. I pray this has been encouraging. I love you.